Hello and welcome to Northeast Christian Church's online services. We are so excited to have you here today. Please be sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms. And if you wanna watch this message again or some of our other messages, you can always look us up on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the service. I uh, don't want to spotlight anybody too much, but I think we have another picture ready. Uh, I, I'm shocked he didn't announce it, but I'm going to just totally go public. Pastor Dylan is officially engaged. He's taken. <laughs> we're, we're just so happy, and uh, Monica, we're, we're grateful for you, and uh, I've, just from the little bit we've gotten to know of you, I know you're out there somewhere, but there you are, yeah, but uh, we are just, I just think you are a woman of excellence. I just have no doubt that you are exactly what he needs in his life, and I'm just, I'm so grateful. You guys are, you guys, I said to him yesterday, you deserve each other, but that sounds like a bad thing, right? Like, you deserve each other, but Really, God is really, uh, I'm just so happy for you both, and uh, we welcome your, your mother and father here today, and uh, we're just so grateful to have you, and of course, who cannot but be grateful for Ed McCauley, Dylan's dad, where are you, laddie? <laughs> fellow Irishman, fellow Marine, grateful for you, and uh, we're excited for all the good things that God has in store for your life, and... Uh, your family's expanded in wonderful ways, and uh, so praise God. He's on a journey right now with Gordon Conwell doing a degree in counseling. That's how much we believe in it in this, in this church, and uh, excited for what God is going to do here and beyond uh, for him. If you'd stand with me, we're going to just pray that God would just bless them. Can we do that? And uh, we're, we're not going to freak them out. And like, if you come up front, we're all going to gather around you. We're not going to do that. It screams cult, right? Like, oh. But we just pray God's blessing on your life. There they are right there. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful what you bring together. You brought them together, and we just pray your blessing on them. May they have the greatest engagement and courting and wedding and life together that they dreamed of. Lord, I pray that you would just bless them, and uh, may we be a blessing to them in that process, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Siéntete, por favor. Mucho gracias. And uh, so what we want to talk about here today is who's the greatest? Oh, this isn't working for me today here. Let me try it one more time. Who is the greatest? Let me see. Did that work? No. I'm going to have to do this. So you guys are going to have to cue that, and I'm going to do like these disco moves. Um, you can bring, there's two of those back to back, so you can bring it to the second one and get that set. So, um, would you guys mind if I just took a second and just tried to get back in that? Because it'll drive them nuts. Technology. There we go. I think it's just that I had it in 
cruise control for too long. The greatest. Let's see if this works. Aw, everyone go, aw. He doesn't look anything like that anymore. He looks even better. <laughs> looks just like his dad. Oh, the day. So who is the greatest? This, we've been going through the book of Luke, but today this is just so fitting, especially as we celebrate, and we celebrate our volunteers. We celebrate those of you that are members of what we believe to be a great family here. And uh, we, we just have been going through the book of Luke, and it was great that this came up. And it's found in Luke chapter, 40, uh, chapter 9, verses 46 to 48. And I'm going to read it for you. Reads like this, that an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child, put him by his side, and said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is the least among you is the one who is great. Who is the greatest? Who's the greatest? There was, a, uh, there was a, a story I heard about Billy Graham when he was about 87 years old, and he got off the airport. They, he was going to speak somewhere at some kind of luncheon, and so they decided they were going to give him a limo ride. And so the limo driver pulls up, ready to take him in, and he goes, excuse me, he goes, do you mind if, if I drive? I've never driven a limo. I've ridden in them, but I've never driven one. And so the guy's like, no, I mean, you're Billy Graham. I guess you could do that. So the driver, the chauffeur, got in, and the chauffeur got chauffeured by Billy Graham. Well, as he was going down the road, a police officer clocked him doing about, like, 75 in a 50-mile-an-hour zone. So he pulls him over, and the police officer goes up, and he goes, uh, license and register. And he sees Billy Graham sitting there, this great evangelist, this historic evangelist. And he, he's like, uh, excuse me, sir, just one minute. And he goes, and he picks up the, the, the mic, and he calls in, he goes, excuse me, sir, he goes, uh, I pulled somebody over for a ticket, but uh, I, I got a problem here. And he's like, what's the problem? He was speeding, giving the ticket, and he says, you don't understand. Like, whoever it is in the back, they must be really important because Billy Graham is driving them. I think it's Jesus. I think it's Jesus. <laughs> Sometimes we try to make ourselves appear important by who we surround ourselves with, right? You ever hear those name droppers? Boop, 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 boop. And, you know, or, you know, you try to associate yourself with power brokers or, you know, show me who your friends are, I'll show you who you are. Well, look at this friend and that friend. And, but Jesus wasn't impressed. He was pretty basic. And what's interesting is, is when you look at this passage that we're talking about here in Luke, everything that's surrounding it screams that the disciples just didn't get it. Like, for instance, Jesus is trying to get through to him, to them, to everyone, that the most important thing he's going to do is to suffer and die and pay the penalty for our sins. And so he keeps throwing down this, this conversation about how he, the Son of Man is going to suffer, be handed over to sinful men, and on the third day raised back. And, and you know, all of a sudden, they... They're so caught up in all the miracles that Jesus is doing, all the things that, that it's almost as if whew, just this whole talk of, like, death. Like, are you kidding me? No way. You're going to be a rock star. You're going to take over Jerusalem. We're going to be sitting at your left, and we're going to be sitting at your right. In fact, that was a big ongoing argument with the disciples. They went up to him, and they said, Hey, uh, <clears throat> Jesus, yeah, uh, you know that, like, we're in your inner circle, and so I'm just wondering, my brother, 
He's going to be at your left side, right? I'm at your right hand. Because in, in Hebrew, in Yad Yamin, your right hand man, the, the, per, the man of the right hand is the important one that has the authority. This is second best. And, uh, you know, he's like, can I, can, am I going to be at your right and your left? And Jesus is like, what's wrong with you? They even send their mother to talk to him. You know that that's the big guns, right? When you send your mom to talk to somebody on your behalf. And so the, James and, and John's mother goes up and like, Jesus, you know, my boys are so good. They keep trying to get this thing down. Who's the most important? Who's the most significant? And I'll tell you what, it misses what the gospel is all about. Jesus said the Son of Man not only would suffer and die, but he said the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In our church, this pastor, these pastors, this community, our members, our leaders, our board members believe that if you find the joy of serving, you'll never want to be served again. And, and we're a place that, that is about saying, hey, th this pastor's not afraid to clean a toilet. In fact, I have a problem. We've tortured a few people that have come here on our internship team, and we're like, you got to clean a toilet first. And they're like, what? We had a couple that were just freaking out. They would not touch the toilet. And I said, if you can't share my toilet cleaner, then you can't share the platform and speak because the greatest is a servant. Um... Not to brag on my wife, but many, many Sundays, she just hangs around here and just cleans stuff. Just taking the load off of, the, of our cleaning crew and taking the load off and just making this church great. Just none of you would ever even know that. But she's a servant. No career, no money, no possessions, no fame can ever satisfy the longing in your soul because it was created for Jesus alone. There is something inside of you. Maybe it won't be the kind of thing that you think about in your days of abundance, but in your last days, in your days of need, you will come to realize that nothing satisfies the space in your heart that Jesus Christ was intended to fill. Now, don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with money, with nice houses, with those kind of things, but you need a sense of purpose, and I love this. This is uh, Dave Hodges, or Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands said this. He said, you need a sense of purpose bigger than just more money, nicer house, or the recognition of others. Where does that recognition come from? I mean, how much, how much power does a person need? How much wealth does a person need? How, much, how many accolades does a person need? If, you are, if that's what feeds your soul, you are constantly going to have a bottomless pit. There's always going to be more needed, more wanted, more sought after. Man tries to fill it, but only Christ can do it. And that's why we believe the greatest in our, in our community here are those that take the first step of why we exist, and that's to know God. You and I are meant to know who God is. We're meant to know who Jesus is. What's, what's funny is the, the word that is used here in Greek for who the, the disciples said, which is the greatest? It's mega, like megaphone, megalomaniac. That's the word that's used there. Who's, who's the most superior of importance and size? And the disciples were obsessed with status and standing. A great truth, uh, there's a God and you're not him. And I think when we realize that the God that we serve is willing to come down to our level 
I think that that helps us to understand that we should be willing to come down to the, to the level of other people. I love how David wrote it in the book of Psalms. It says, Lord, you stoop down. You stoop down to make me great. I see this when somebody's talking to a child, when somebody's caring for somebody that's older. That, that ability to say, no, people are the point. I'm not so important. I'm not so special. I'm not so, you know, it, it, people are the point. We've had people come into our church who've, who have smelt like urine and who have smelt like alcohol and who have been flying high as a kite. And I've watched this community put their arms around that person and love them where they're at. Reach out to them and give them a call and say, hey, you need to come back. That's what Jesus meant when he said the greatest is the servant because if you find the joy of serving, you'll never want to be served again. Marcus Aurelius, the emperor of Rome, despised the idea that emperors were supposed to be worshipped as gods. So he hired a slave that every time he walked in the market, when somebody would say out loud to him, you know, the emperor, the god, he, would, he paid this man literally to go up to him and say twice in his ear, you're just a man. You're just a man. Philosophy says know yourself, but God says know the Lord. And in fact, that word know in Hebrew, yada, like if, I, if I'm saying, yeah, you ever hear Jewish people, they're like, yada, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know, and then yodea, I know, I understand. It, it, it is more than just knowing, it's intimate understanding, it's intimate relationship. I love how Matthew brings out this passage in chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Let me read it to you here as we put it on the screen for those of you here and those of you online. It reads like this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Now he, he says something a little bit further. It, it, it's this ongoing discussion of who's the greatest, who's the greatest, who's the most important. You know who the most important person is in this room? The one with the greatest need. Do you know how much we love Jesus? We love Jesus as much as we love the least lovable person in our life. That's how much we love him. That's why Jesus said, I want you to serve. I want you to care for people. I want you to know the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one that cares for the least lovable person. I think the three greatest challenges in my life to being more like Jesus, to being one of those great individuals are three things, me, myself, and I. It's easy to get carried away. We all have our vices and we all have our virtues and we all have those things that pull us away, but it's like we're obsessed with measuring our status and Jesus says, let me teach you how to measure your significance. Let me show you how to love people. I, I get caught in the trap where it's easy to feel better about yourself by comparing yourself to somebody else. You know that that can be the number one cause of depression, I think, too, is that sometimes we're comparing ourselves to something that has absolutely zero relevance to our life. And God is saying, I don't want you to be anyone other than who you are. I want you to know me, and I want you to know that I love you, that I care about you. You're not a mistake. You're designed by me. 
that he has a plan for us. And so when we do that, we say, all right, God, here's my life. I surrender to you. We start that path of greatness, and the next thing along the line there is to find freedom. A child is not caught up in the things that we as adults get caught up in. Now, again, they don't have to pay the bills, and I get that, but, but have you ever watched how uninhibited a child, a little child is? They're just happy. And I think sometimes a lot of our joy is lost because we're chasing after things God never intended for us to pursue. But in order for us to find freedom, we need to find God. We find forgiveness vertically, but we find freedom horizontally by having other people in our lives. This is really seen in Peter's life. Listen, listen to these verses. They're all from Luke 22, where again, Jesus is having to address their whole issue of who's the great one. And, he, and it says this in Luke 22, 34, it says, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this uh, three times this day until you, have, until you have denied me three times, denying that you know me. In verse 61 and 62, it says that the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Imagine this. Peter says, I will die for you. I'm ready to go be in prison with you and die for you. And Jesus says, you're going to deny me today. And he's like, no way, absolutely not. And yet before the day's over, not only does he deny Jesus three times, but that was probably the most... Dis, that was probably the most impactful stare that ever happened in history. Jesus turns and looks Peter in the eye, Luke tells us, and it says that he went outside of the city and wept bitterly. There are so many times in my life where instead of me being the person I could be by allowing Christ to be Christ in me, I'm absolutely who I shouldn't be, and, and I deny God. I deny him the ability to minister to the least of those among me. I don't know if you've ever had that stare from Jesus where it's like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe what's wrong with me. And yet, even after all that, the Bible says that Jesus began this journey to bring Peter back. See, the truth of the matter is, is that none of us have a smooth ride to becoming who God intended us to be. It's a fight. It's a journey. It's a pursuit for us to continually walk humble before God. And and Peter, later on, Jesus finds him on the shore, and he says to him, he says, Peter, do you, do you love me? And he's like, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he's like, he asks him a second time, do you love me? Jesus, you know that I love you. Peter, do you even like me? It, it says that he, he was hurt by that. And Jesus said, feed my sheep, serve my people, be the greatest, Peter. And sure enough, in the book of Acts, what does Peter do? He stands to his feet, and it says over and over again, and Peter lifted up his voice. See, none of us in this place, none of us watching online, none of us will ever have a smooth journey, will have seasons of doubt in our life. Watch this, ready? I do this in Bible college, but you gotta just be honest. You're only as strong as you are honest anyway. How many of you have ever had a moment where you said to yourself, did we make this thing up? Is this even real? Is Jesus even real? I'm going to raise my hand because how many of you have ever thought that? Please, thank you, for your, thank you for your honesty. I think if you never doubt, you never think. If you never think, you never will. 
Life, life is this thing of working through, answering questions. You know, God, at some points, he shows up in incredible and amazing ways, and other times, he's just completely silent, and we're wrestling through this. And I've asked that same question in Bible college and watched the whole room raise their hand. I think it's only natural to struggle with those things because it's not easy being that person of greatness. It's a journey not only to find God, but it's a journey to, to find freedom and how do you find freedom? You find it together with other people. It's amazing, but there's a particular tree. I, 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 the name of it escapes me. I think, what tree is this? Derek Rao, where are you? Please help me out. Ash tree or aspen? Aspen, yes. Aspen. This is, thank you. We're just making, nobody else is going to know. Anyway, it's an aspen tree. It's an aspen tree. Think about this for a second. What's unique about it, it looks like a birch tree, it looks like an ash tree, but it's, it's an aspen, and what's unique about this tree is it does something that, that I think no other tree does, is that it shares its root system with the others. And when I look at our community and I look at our journey, I think there's times in our lives where somebody has, has suffered a great loss, somebody... I, re, I, I, I could just mention things, but I won't, but, but like where there have been more funerals that have taken place in this spot, and somebody didn't have the strength and the hope in them, and it was at that moment that somebody shared their roots with somebody and said, you know what, you feel like you're gonna get blown over right now? Let me share my strength with you. You see, we find freedom by finding relationships with one another. That's how we change, that's how we, that's how we grow together, that's how we become strong together. That's how greatness happens, when you're willing to share your strength with somebody else in order to help them through a difficult time. So, I think another part of what we do here is to discover purpose. In order to be a person of greatness, and part of our journey here in this church is, is discovering purpose. Um, I don't know if you, if you had some goals for winter, I did. So did my friend Steve here. And he reached them. He's not married. And I have his cell phone number, if you'd like it. <laughs> okay, so uh, I hate these advertisements, right? My man looked good right there on the left side, doesn't he? I mean, I'm like, he's good, he's good. But then, you know, he had to, like, grease himself down and drop all percentage of body fat. And now it's like, good, thank you very much for making me feel worse about myself. Uh, yeah. But you see, about... S some things are, with, are innate within us because it's just part of our DNA or it's just part of our nature. How many of you are those like people, you set a goal for yourself and you say, I will fail until I succeed? Those are called achievers, right? How many of you are like, I'm gonna try once and if it doesn't work out, I'm getting some ice cream? <laughs> right? That's the rest of us. And so, uh, but we're all designed differently. My I wish that I could pick my vices, but you and I, we can't pick our vices. Mine have always been drugs, alcohol, and immorality. Those have been my vices. And I, I, was the only, I, I used to always say in Bible college when I was teaching students, I'm like, I'm just gonna be honest with you, I love drugs. And I'm gonna be honest with you as a church to this day, love drugs, but I love Jesus more. I love Jesus more, and so what, what do I do in order to, to become a person of greatness, in order to discover purpose in your life, you have a choice to make. You have to choose Jesus. Jesus does, listen, the, the whole thing of like spiritual Jesus possession, you know, where God comes down on you and you're like, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, 
I don't want to smoke anymore. It's gone. I don't want to. No, man, those things are hard. That was the hardest thing I ever dumped was smoking cigarettes. And you would think from the other junk that I was putting in my system that that would have been hard. You might, you might, who knows? Different strokes for different folks. You might be a gossip. You might be a cynic. I don't know what your deal is, but we can't pick our vices. But greatness requires that we say, God, help me discover purpose for my life. Help me to discover design and help me to use my life to serve other people because the greatest among you is a servant. You see, the greatest moment in your life will be when you know who God is. The second, the second greatest moment in your life will be when you understand why he put you here. And to, to know that there's a difference between a call and an, a, and an assignment from God. A lot, of, a lot of people will always be obsessed, like, I just want to be in the perfect will of God. And it's like, good luck with that one. I've been aiming at that target for years. It's like, well, you know, 75%'s a passing grade, right? But sometimes, like, a, if we're called to God, we're called to Him, we're called to be like Him. But Sometimes he gives you assignments. Right now, my assignment is here with you in this community. That's just awesome. Can I just tell you, thank you for such a great rebound from, from COVID. We're, we're, we're back. This is great. Like, God has done great things here in the, in the six-plus years that, that myself and the other pastors have been here, but it's really been you that's done those things. But the, the purpose of our church is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference with their life. And that journey of discovering purpose isn't easy. It requires that we get in shape, right? Like, that's not, that didn't just happen. That guy didn't, like, drink some kind of, like, turbo drink or whatever that infomercial is on Channel 27 that you watch, and he drink, they say, drink this drink, you know, and you see the person, and it's like, or, you know, they got, remember when they were selling that thing, you put it around your abs, and it sends little electrical charges to your stomach, and, like, says, this is going to make your, your, your abs just like this. Give me a break. <laughs> Made somebody rich. That's not it, and that's, like, low-level shock therapy for your life. Some of you might benefit from it. I don't know, but like, it's just crazy. It's hard to get your life in shape, but you have to understand that you have a purpose. It's to serve others, but God said to Jeremiah this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you. See, God's got an appointment. The call of God isn't a place. It's a purpose. You see, there's no fingerprint the same. There's no snowflake like. There's nobody else like you. You're unique. God doesn't want you to be more like somebody else. He wants you to be more of yourself because you're made in his image. And the more you're like yourself, the more you actually show him to the world around you. See, my dad, interesting guy. This weekend, he was, uh, I, I brought him to the hospital. We... Uh, he's in a, a, a challenging phase of life right now. Him and my, my mom fell and hit her head, and she went in an ambulance to the hospital today. <laughs> They're dropping everything. <laughs> it, it was just a crazy, crazy weekend. But the thing I love about my father, my father, there's nothing about him that's spectacular. He, he doesn't have this incredible resume of all this stuff, but you know what he did? He makes being an average person amazing. He's just a normal guy that loves people, cares for people more than himself. There was a, you know, I don't know about you, but 
sometimes that journey of trying to find out who you are is a really rough ride. For me, it was a very rough ride. Um, I, I've, I've, my poor mom, she refused to put me on medication as a kid. She would have benefited so much. Mom, I don't know if you're watching right now, but I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was dyslexic. I was dysgraphic. I had ADHDOS. So shiny. Um, I had it all. And I was just a wreck all over the place. I heard a story. It's actually a TED Talk by uh, Sir Kenneth Robinson. It's amazing if you've never seen that. It's been around for a while, but he talks about a young lady. She was a little girl. She was in a school. And the teacher she had couldn't take her anymore. Called a, a meeting with the principal, says, I can't take this kid anymore. She's driving me nuts. Literally, the teacher said, either the kid goes or I go. And that's a tough place to put a principal in, right? Because he needs a teacher. And what is he going to do with this kid? And so this was going back years when radio was, was uh, more profound than television. And so he had this little open area, brought the parents into the room and said, sweetheart, sit right down here turns on the radio for her, and he walks in to have the dreaded conversation with these parents. As he's about to close the door, he stops and he looks, and the little girl's gotten up now, and she's spinning around, doing pirouettes, doing all these moves to the music. He looks at the girl, he looks at the parents, looks at the girl, looks at the parents again, closes the door, and he walks over to his desk, writes on a piece of paper a phone number and a name, hands the paper to them, and says, I'm sorry, there's been a terrible mistake. Your daughter is not defective. She's a dancer. You need to remove her immediately from our school and put her in this school. Call this person, tell them that I sent you. She brought the little girl into the school. She writes in her journal. When she walked in, she says, it was amazing, it was beautiful, it was a place where everyone was like me. Everybody had to move to think. That little girl, her name is Jillian Lynn. She is the number one choreographer for Lloyd Webber Jones and is responsible for some of the plays that you've seen or wish you saw from and on Broadway. And yet today, if she was in our public school system as the presenter of this, she would have been told to sit down, shut up, and take this pill. And I say all that to say this to you. Being average and normal is how God has made us. Being who you are is what makes you unique and special. You're not defective, you're designed. You're not a mistake, you're a masterpiece. God made you the way you are, and he loves you. And you, those of you that have been aunts or uncles, grandparents, mothers and fathers, know what that's like when you hold that child in front of you and look at that child and say, I love you. That's how God looks at you. How do you find purpose? You could spend tons of dollars going to colleges and getting degrees, building up resumes, padding accounts, or you could come before the God who made you and loves you and say, God, I want to know who you are. I want to experience freedom in my life, and I know that that's going to be a journey, but Lord, help me discover my purpose. I want to find the joy of serving because if I find the joy of serving, I'll never want to be served again. Here's my life. Do with it what you want. I'm not going to worry about being recognized, not being rewarded. I'm going to be your servant. I'm going to be your slave. You tell me, I do. Here I am. I love you. 
This church is filled with people like that. When I watch you connecting, making meals for somebody that, like Mary Evelyn was talking about, just being yourselves, rushing into somebody in their hour of crisis, throwing axes and shooting the breeze with somebody at some guy event. I think sometimes we complicate our life because we, we don't realize that God just wants us to be plain old us and to do that journey and share roots with one another. That's what makes the gospel special. And as you begin to discover your purpose, you begin to mobilize your life and say, I'm going to make a difference for God. Greatness happens when you realize you don't have to be great, you just have to be you. And you begin to pursue Jesus, you begin to acknowledge that you need freedom, and you begin to follow the instruction that God gives through his people, through his word, and through his spirit, and you allow them to influence you. You know what? I love how a friend of mine, um, you wouldn't even know who he is. His name is Leonard Sweet, but he used to say this. He said, Paul, in order to understand, you need to stand under. I think the problem for many of us is, is that we always have to be the final authority on, on our own life. But submission isn't a bad thing. In fact, that's what the word submission means. It means to stand, to come underneath something, to submit to it. That's a hard thing to do because I like being in control of my life. I don't like it when I have to hand the control over to somebody else. I don't like being vulnerable. But if I'm going to understand what it is to be a servant of all, I need to stand underneath that calling to not pursue greatness, but to pursue God. Your shape who are you? You know, part of, everybody wonders, what do I do? I've been coming to this church, you know, what's next for me? It's glad you asked. It's next. It's our class at 9 o'clock. In fact, you need to be there next week here at 9 o'clock, right in the side room. We have this great class that walks through this whole process. You could go on the website and get connected, and we've got Discover Purpose, Make a Difference, and we've got Discover Purpose, all kinds of personality tests and all this kind of stuff, but I love the shape idea because you are made up of spiritual gifts, your heart, what makes your heart beat, abilities, you have abilities that you have, plus you have personal experience, and you bring all of those things together, and that makes you who you are. So you might be a, a nurse, and you know what your spiritual gifts are? You're, uh, you're, you're, you have the gift of mercy and compassion. When somebody shares their story, you feel their pain. And so then you say, you know what? I can be a nurse, I can feel somebody's pain, uh, I have abilities, you, you know, maybe you're musical, maybe you're uh, a good communicator, maybe, maybe you're a one-on-one -on -one connector, your personal experiences, maybe you've experienced difficulty and uh, hardship, and so you're the perfect person to go into somebody's life who's ex experiencing difficulty, and you just give all of that to God, and God uses you. See, this call of God thing we're all called to God. This, is the, this makes the call of God so much easier when we say, I'm called to him. I'm called to be like him. I'm called to serve him. Forget about the space and place of what it is, but then every once in a while, God will come up and he'll say, here's an assignment. Will you take it? And then when you step into it, that assignment is what you're called to do. And you just got to be the best version of just plain old you in that place, and God will do great things through you. As you begin to make a difference, you realize that you need significance in your life. There's a story of a uh, dog track. Not that I go to the dog track and bet or anything like that, but uh, 
That used to be the only thing you could do in Rhode Island for, for gambling. Now it's like, forget it. They've got Encore and all this stuff. Not that you guys would know that, right? Vegas, baby! But, um, I'm just playing with you. <laughs> Maybe you're getting convicted. I don't know. But, uh, you know why I hate casinos? Because you can mortgage your house, lose your money, and have to go back and tell your spouse you no longer live in that home. Destroyed entire neighborhoods. Can't stand the casinos for that and what it's done to people. But <laughs> this totally ruins the dog track illustration. Now everybody's like, what? Uh, so they're trained to chase that rabbit. So one time they opened it up, boom, the gates pop open, the dogs run out, and the rabbit breaks down and just sizzles. And all of a sudden, all the dogs just totally freak out. One of them just sits down, another one lies down, another one broke out from the pack, kept running, jumped over the fence, and just took off and was gone. Another one goes up to the crowd that's watching and starts barking at them. They didn't know what to do. You know why? Because you and I, believe it or not, we're designed for a purpose, and we're supposed to be chasing the purpose of God in our life. And when we don't have that purpose, we just get off track. We just start barking at people. We start running in weird directions, doing stupid things. When the rabbit breaks down, we, 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 we lose our purpose, but we need to understand that God's got something for your life, and it's forward. I love this illustration. It goes like this, that, that when you're driving down the road, that's purpose for your life, but there's always a rearview mirror. But it only takes up a small part of your view. Your past... It's relevant. Knowing what's going on behind you, it's important. But it shouldn't be the full thing that you're consumed with. And for you to make a difference, you need to do what the Apostle Paul said. I need to forget what's behind me and look ahead of me and set my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. And it's okay if I'm not feeling it. You know what? Number one life changer for becoming who God wants you to be, you need to get over your feelings and start doing until your feelings catch up with you later. More people have been bumped out of the box like, I'm just not feeling it. I don't know if I, like, you're not supposed to feel it. Why are you supposed to feel it all the time? What if you just do it? It's like the gym, right? I, I, for the longest time, I've had this membership at Plant Fitness, and I've been going back recently, but, but for the longest time, I would drive by, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm not feeling it. You know? That's where my friend Steve said, Paul, go! <laughs> you could be just like me! I'm going to ask uh, E, where are you, buddy? There you are. This is my favorite son, by the way. Just kidding, Andrew. I showed pictures of both of you this morning. But until you learn how to play an instrument... Whoa! Go, calm down. <laughs> I'll buy you ice cream today, okay? <laughs> it just happened, you know. You know your dad. It comes out of his mouth. All right. All right. Anyway, I'm just playing with him. Maestro. Um, this is a very famous statue of, of David, actually, and it was made by Leonardo da Vinci, and I've only showed half of it so that uh, I didn't, you know, it's... It's a naughty statue. But 
there's a couple of interesting things about this. The first is this, that a lot of people don't know this, but the block that was selected was originally picked by a different artist. And he felt that it had defects in the block itself, and so he chose not to use it. So the first glance of this, of this, this stare at this piece of, of rock, it was supposed to be sculpted into this great sculpture. The, the first artist looked at it and said, sorry, can't use it. And along comes Leonardo da Vinci. And he begins to set his chisel to it. It's got a lot of different features to it that the way that it's made, and uh, I'm not a sculptor, but you know, there's just profound lessons you could draw from this. But what's interesting to me is, is what Leonardo da Vinci said when he was asked, you know, how did you make such an amazing statue of David? And this is what he said that was profound. He said, I didn't make anything. David was always there. All I did was remove the extra pieces away from it. I think that's the way it is with our life, with you and with God. I think you look at yourself, I look at myself, and we kind of say, it's just defective. And then we learn that God wants to know us, that he wants to help us find freedom, and he starts chiseling away, and then he begins to move us to a different place, and we begin to see shape take place in our life, and we realize, oh man, there's purpose here. And when we're done, we realize that we're not defective, we're designed by God for greatness. And that greatness is just simply serving people in the way that God made you, to find a need and meet it, to find a hurt and heal it, and to find the joy of serving, because if you find the joy of serving, you'll never want to be served again. And that's what we're about as a church, helping you and I continue that journey of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference. Continually coming before God and saying, Lord, here I am, faults and all. You've got, you've got your work cut out for you, but I give you permission. I'm not feeling it, but chip away. Lord, I got some baggage on me, shave it off. Lord, I want to serve myself, but I offer myself to you. Have your way. And that's what I want to pray for here that God would give you, or let me reverse that and say this, that you would give God permission to bring out the masterpiece of who you are. And so, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this community. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We're all at different phases of this journey, but we thank you for your kingdom that's come and your will that's being done in in this place on earth as it is in heaven, faults and all. We thank you for your grace that's amazing. We thank you that sometimes we can get lost in what's the point. And you bring us back by bringing a child into the midst of us and saying, this is the point. It's not serving the significant, it's serving that which is easily overlooked. It's not you being like somebody else, it's you being who you are. It's not you designing a plan and engineering how you're going to service yourself. It's you coming before me and saying, God, how can I serve you? Lord, I just thank you for this church filled with people who love you and are called by you and make this church amazing. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now that we're coming out of uh, COVID and life is back here in the Northeast, we are decided we want, we didn't have a chance over two years to thank those of you that have been serving. And so what we did here this morning is um, we, we just put together a little goodie bag here for you, another mug. We mug people in this church, but we also, yes, it's okay, they're fat free. We've got heavenly donuts in the back. Now, let me just give you the instruction here. Here's what they're for. They're for people that are on ministry schedules, whether you're a greeter or on the worship team, whether this is not for your children, this is not for like, praise God, <laughs> raid the boxes. This is in the back room on the right, but every single one of you that are here today uh, that have been serving in this church, we just want to say thank you. And so this is just a, a simple way of us saying it with a donut and a mug and uh, so we encourage you to do that and, um, and to take a step back there. But today we've set up all kinds of booths in the back, stations where you can plug into what's going on. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you would, take a moment and look. There's great need here. Guess what? Somebody out there, you drum, and you're not drumming. And guess what? We need you on the drums because the drummers can't, uh, they can only give a little bit. We need it. Some of you sing. And uh, we need you. Some of you are really good with security. And we want to keep our church. Guess what? We want to be the safest church in the Northeast. You, you, you've got an eye for security. You've, you've, you've got skills. And we want you. I, there's a thousand different places for you to find a need and meet it. And we encourage you to just go out there and take a look at that. But if you've never been to Next, this is real simple. If you've never been to Next, you need to be here next week, 9 o'clock, that room right over there, or in the back room on the right where we do this normally, and, uh, and begin to plug in because this will help you see what we're about, where we're going with all this. But there are some people here today who have already gone through that journey, and so we're welcoming them into membership. And we have the illustrious balloon drop. This is... I almost want to cry because if you knew the hours that went into this... <laughs> Poor staff. The, there, there are uh, different people who have come into membership today, and they're just saying, here I am, I'm here to serve. And so we'd like to welcome up here each and every one of you that's on their list. I'm going to read the name, but don't wait for me to call. We're Caitlin Fortuna, uh, Mary Evelyn and Welson Cesar, Clara, Dorothy, Maria Perez, Betty Rizzo, and Helen. I'm afraid of, I'm going to pronounce your name wrong. It's Nujunga? Najunga. How do I say it? She isn't even going to say it. <laughs> How do I say it? Naguna. There's, this woman prays constantly for me. Thank you. And so, if, if you guys come forward, what we're going to do is, uh, I, I'd also like to ask, if you're, this, we just need to share the balloon drop. If you're here today and you are... Uh, you and your family consistently serve here and you want to get in on this action, you can totally make your way up here. But, but um, we, we have Ian and Sarah Weston who couldn't be with us today, but we've got certificates we've already given out to each and every one of them. These are people that have gone through Next. They're on that journey. They're saying, hey, this, we've been here three times. We've been through Next. I, I love what God's doing here. I want to plug into it. Um, and so they are officially part of our membership team. And in our church, one of, there are different things that we require for a member, but one of them is, is that you serve. 
that you serve. And so every single one of them have been in some way already serving and they're gonna be stepping into that. But I'm gonna ask you to take one more step forward. I promise you, you won't get a concussion from these balloons here. All right, I, I just, I need some celebration in my life for an, for an extrovert. Let's stand up across this room. We're gonna do the drop, followed by you getting the balloon, the mugs and the, the donuts and sugar and, and sign-up sheets and all that kind of stuff. Listen, we're, let's share roots. Let's be a church that, that has relationship with people. If you come to this church and you've never had a conversation with somebody that's here, it's time you get to know somebody. Good grief. But welcome to the family, to these people. We're gonna count it down, three, two, one. There's gonna be crazy music. Here's what I ask, parents. We do not give your children permission to run up here and pop balloons. And so you just need to restrain them. But uh, we're going we're to have this. Maybe the cleanup staff will do it. But we've got some killer music. I think Justin Bieber's going to cut out with something here. Are you ready? I don't know what it is. We're going to count it down. Three, two, one. And then we're just going to celebrate and shout these people in. Ready? Three, two, one. Woo! Thank you again for being with us today. If you want to watch this or listen to it again, you can always go to YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And for all news and updates about what's happening here at the church, you can go to ne-cc.org or lowellag.org. Thank you and God bless.